When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready? Yeah, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! is happening what is up the gen nation fam are back we are ready and we are grinding it is the dj nation podcast music to my ears we're back at it ready to do an early look DraftKings pricing for week one on the slate football is back oh my goodness it feels so good i'm your host ryan alexander underscore w is where you can find me on twitter I am joined by my usual co-host, Mr. Kevin Steele at FantasyRad13 is where you can find him on Twitter. And we got a very special guest joining us. And it's not just for tonight. It's not just for next week. It's not just for a couple weeks. It is for the whole season. Mr. Maddie Dickinson at MaddieDFS is where you can find him on Twitter. Maddie, we are having you on. And, and dude, we just had you on. The last show, episode 77 for the Super Bowl podcast, and now you're back with us. It's such a treat, man. We're, we're happy to have you here. We're happy to grind with you this season, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, man. I, it'll be nice to not be introduced as a guest anymore and be a co-host. Back, get that get that Absolutely. title back, you know, you know what I'm saying? So good to Absolutely. be back, boy. Let's, uh, let's chop it up, talk week yeah, one. Yeah, we, we about to chop it up, talk week one, early practice. And it seems like forever since we've been able to play DFS, but luckily we're getting ready to get it, man. Training camps have been well underway. They're about to wrap up, and the season is going to be rolling forward. And that that's music to our ears as we can, you know, start establishing our bankrolls and get money flowing in from the NFL perspective. The DJ Nation pod is back, guys. You know where you can find us, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, you can go to the Fantasy Authority website. And, and find us there. YouTube is where you can find the shows after we record them, put them out. Um, you can always go back and listen to them there. And uh, we're also on Periscope, too. Thanks to thanks to StreamYard, we've been able to get 
on so many avenues. And we've been doing a lot of great things here at the Fantasy Authority. I mean, the mastermind behind the scenes, Mr. Kevin Steele, Fantasy Rath himself, ain't been playing no games in 2020. It's been a pandemic. It's been crisis mode all over the place, but not here at the TFA, man. We've been throwing out content thanks to him and, and Cody, who are co-hosts of the Fantasy Authority podcast. They've been doing some big things. They got a Patreon set up for you guys. They got the Slack channel booming and bumping. YouTube content has been coming out of the wazoo, out the ass, some might say. And Kev, why don't you talk to the people about what they can expect for the 2020 season? Because it's been it's been quite a treat to watch and be a part of behind the scenes. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We've been uh, grinding it out and, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, really trying to get into the YouTube content. The video game, that's the, the future of uh, fantasy sports, in my opinion. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been uh, pumping out as much YouTube content as we possibly can. So I'll do some written content over at the fantasyauthority.com. But for the most part, everything has been uh, focused on audio and video. And this is going to be no different. Uh, the DFS DJ Nation pod has crushed it for the last... This is actually our fourth season. Uh, I was thinking about it today. I was like, how long have we been doing this for? And I thought it was three. And then I was like, no, no, it's actually been four. Because first year was us and then Elliot. And then we had Maddie right. on you know, uh, frequently. And then you know, Elliot went on to TQE and... Uh, and then, uh, you know, uh, Maddie uh, took over as the co-host and, you know, he went over to TQE and now he's back. So, yeah, uh, we're going to do a ton of good stuff with this. Uh, every week we'll be putting out smaller videos for quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver, um, smaller breakdowns so people can consume it easier. And then we'll also have our, our typical um Lot, ro- roster construction uh, build as well and that'll be up people can see that too so uh, you can go check out our slack channel the dfs slack channel starts to get hyped around this time of the year where everybody we get a lot more content a lot more conversation going over there absolutely free uh so you know um let's go wheels up and uh we're, we're just gonna keep grinding it out and uh we're gonna you know win some people some money maybe a, maybe a take down a take down the millie and i can go straight hey. somebody's gotta win it <laughs> Hashtag let's get this money, man. It's unbelievable. And and DraftKings has had their pricing out for for quite some time. So, um, you know, as we get into this this slate here um, for for the first week, it's going to be crazy. There's a lot of lot of exciting tournaments that are going on across all the DFS sites right now. The Millie Maker um, for week one on DraftKings, it looks like is going to be they have a five dollar Millie Maker and a one hundred dollar entry Millie Maker as well. So a lot of different, um, you know, contests to get into. It'll be um, very interesting to see. You know, we, we always talk about, you know, being smart with your bankroll, managing that. Um, so it'll be fun when we get into the deep dive to kind of see what different contests are out there and see what what players can find themselves into for the for the newbies too who are out there and just looking to get started. So how we do it here is we break we break down everything as it as it goes on DraftKings. That's pretty much where the three of us religiously play on, and it's 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 a fun way to kind of break down the slate and break down the slates. But as we as we get into a deep dive here, we'll try and dabble into um, a little bit of what what's going on at the other sites for those of you guys who play kind of across the board um, to kind of see. But as we talked about at the top, training camp's been going on. There's been a couple of injuries. Um, so far of note that could affect the week one slate. Um, and as we get into it, let's kind of just talk about this slate and talk about the breakdowns here as we kind of have some real, you know, it's week one. So there's always some exciting games to kind of break down. We don't have to worry about the Chiefs being on the main slate. So we'll have to wait 
wait for you a week, Kev, to kind of play uh, Pat Mahomes on the main slate. But we do got guys like Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, Tom Brady in a new setting there in Tampa Bay. And some some of these over-unders are, are approaching uh, 50 right now as we look at it. Um, I'm looking at, like, the Seahawks-Falcons game. Um, could have some fantasy goodness there. I mean, Ravens-Browns is going to be 48 and a half. Um, I'm looking at Bucks and Saints in the Dome uh, because, we, you know, no bubble for the NFL. So they're actually going to be playing still in these, you know, favorable settings as we get, you know, home and away splits that we can look at. So as we look at quarterbacks, guys, and DraftKings pricing, and Maddie, I'll kind of let you kind of kick it off. What, do, what are you seeing in the first look here as it relates to quarterback pricing? And me and you have talked a ton of times on this podcast just about, you know, the opportunity that is had by not paying up so much for the quarterback position and kind of letting it fall to you, so to speak. So I'm curious to see where where you're thinking as we got, you know, Lamar Jackson at 8-1. And, you know, for people who are just coming in and dabbling in at DFS for this year, especially with the, the way that things are kind of going and people are kind of updating their season-long leagues or maybe not playing as many season-long leagues and things like that, I feel like a lot of more people might come into the DFS mix. So how do you, how are you viewing the quarterback position as that is really the staple of your DFS lineup and how you kind of shape your team? So I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that point up for this slate, slate specifically. This is, uh, this is my first time really looking at pricing and looking at the flex options. There's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine guys that 7K or higher. I feel like usually we get more guys that cost more than that. Just scrolling through some of these names, I mean, you've got, uh, like, for example, a uh, Terry McLaurin is 5,600. You've got Miles Sanders at 6,300. So I think with some of these, you know, high usage guys that are at kind of depressed pricing, you might be able to fit a Lamar Jackson on a on a week where you might normally, you know, normally we see eight one and we're like, I'm not paying that for a quarterback. But uh, I think as we maybe talk through this slate, um, we may find a build, you know, where you, where you feel comfortable paying eight one for a quarterback uh, just because yes, there are guys who can maybe match Lamar's ceiling, but his floor ceiling combo, if you've got a build, you like, man, it's, it's hard to get away from Lamar, especially against Cleveland. You mentioned the injuries are already already without their starting safety, and I think they had right. one of their one of their cornerbacks, Greedy Williams. I think he came up, or he he got hurt recently in practice too. So that Cleveland defense is going to be banged up already. So yeah. Well, how how are you guys handling it because of because of COVID nineteen and because there's no preseason, and so normally sure. we have some issue, some idea of how things look or or what what situation is going to a certain guy is going to be in or how this certain thing is going to play. Like we're pretty much going into week one blind with all, only thing we really have is training camp information, and so I feel like that typically we you know you typically say you know week one anyways you should probably you know not go all in not you know use your whole entire bankroll all in week one i feel like even more so this year is probably going to be that because i don't think we're really going to know all that much uh of what what to really expect how teams are going to look you know we haven't seen a lot of these guys like joe burrow and um a lot of these other teams you know uh, upgraded defenses and everything else like i just think there's there's a lot of unknown here in terms of what we compared to what we typically have because but usually we have 
so much information by now through training camp, through preseason, you know, how everything's kind of shaping up. Or now we don't really have anything other than what we're getting from beat reporters, which there's not nearly as many beat reporters at, at camp as there typically is where we're, you know, we're seeing all this stuff. So how is that affecting you guys or how will that affect you guys in terms of week one? So I'm just going to talk real quick and it's not like this is just how I'm going to approach it because sitting here acting like I know is, is would be wrong. Uh, so, you know, just obviously making an educated guess as to how things are going to shake out and how we can maybe use that to our advantage uh, in the first week with, without really knowing anything. Um, so I think offenses are going to have a leg up uh, because defenses, you know, they rely a lot on communication and trusting each other. Like I know my, if I'm playing nickel corner and I can leverage this guy to the, to the inside, knowing my safe, I've got safety help over the top. Like think little things like that, that may not be up to speed right away. Um, and then also uh, the crowd noise isn't going to be a factor at all. So teams don't have to go into silent snap counts. So you're going to see guys like Aaron Rodgers who draw offsides all the time and get free plays, deep shots down the field. Um, you're going to, I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, I think you're going to see more of a reliance on committees at the running back position to start because a lot of times we see running backs come in, you know, Le- Le'Veon Bell is a good example. A couple of years ago, um, Zeke, he still got a, he still got a lot of work when he came back from his holdout, but uh, he wasn't nearly as efficient, but they kept feeding him volume anyways. But when running backs come in without a, a proper training camp or off season and whatnot, you know, they still condition outside of, of camp, but if they don't have that football shape where they're, you know, they're taking hits regularly um, and have, you know, game speed, they're not conditioned to handle a 25 to 30 carry workload that we see some of these studs like, you know, Derek Henry, Zeke, those guys handle. So I think it, it kind of caters to more so the pass catching running backs that are, their value goes up a little bit. Um, because we're not going to, I don't think in week one, we're going to see a guy carry the ball 25 times. Um, maybe so more so in the upper teens around 20 to 21 as a ceiling for a high carry guy. Uh, but if, you know, if the guys that catch passes, they can put themselves more on, on an even playing field with those guys who rely on high volume. So I think I'm going to lean more on the, the hybrid backs, like a Miles Sanders type. Um, or Alvin Kamara type, those those kind of guys are, are where I'm going to lean um, early in the season. Yeah, Matty, you 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 touched on on everything that I'm that I'm thinking of too. I mean, and really, you know, Kev, to to kind of just answer your question from the standpoint of like bankroll and how we're playing, I, I just want to be I don't I don't want to be heavy in too many large field tournaments as far as like entries go. Like, I just want to play a ton of like single entries, find, find the players that I like or, find you know, find something that I'm really keen on for, for this first week and just enter that in single entry bullets like everywhere. Of course, I'm going to play, you know, a five dollar milli um, and some of these other things just just to chase, you know, just to dabble because it's always fun. But I think really, you know, especially if we start, you know, seeing heavy chalk on, on particular players 
um, in, in certain aspects that I don't think that I think you can take advantage of. Like I'll, I'll enter in a ton of single entries, you know, and even like I know there's a 33 single entry on DraftKings, um, 27 single entry on DraftKings, you know, some of those high dollars. But the payouts are, you know, a little bit bigger and the, even the pricing, you know, from first to 100, it gets to be a little bit more promising instead of, you know, entering the milli with a five dollar and, you know, maybe you cash like 10 bucks on a lineup, but you know, it's still in, you know, the top 10,000 or top 1000 or whatever, whatever that would equate to. I haven't really looked at it close, but I know that, you know, some of those pricing payouts are just not, not that favorable. And I'm looking at the $5 entry right now, and there's a, a million entries that will be in there. Like you have to be perfect. You have to be absolutely perfect in order to take that down. So I think playing in a lot of single entries will be fun. And even, you know, there's we talk about this too, Kev, and I've, I've dabbled into it in the later years of playing cash games. But even for this week one, like I'm still kind of nervous to play cash unless something, you know, crazy opened up like Kenyon Drake's in a walking boot. So we get Chase Edmonds week, 4,400. Like, okay, then, you know, I know I, know I have a cash lock that I can probably put in there and feel comfortable with. But outside of that, like I'm not really comfortable at this point in playing cash. And even, you know, let's talk about the pricing even, because usually you used to get like a cheap running back at the at minimum price, which would have been 3K. And now all of a sudden on DraftKings, as we do this first look, I'm looking at it and the minimum price was 4,400. So they've even made pricing on DraftKings at least. I haven't checked FanDuel really too much, but it's even that, that much tougher because you're not getting, you know, that cheap a salary with the defense is still being priced, you know, 2K and above. They haven't really given us, you know, a 1,500, 1,200 defense to start the year yet. So, yeah, man, I'm just trying to be smart with with the money and, and really just kind of pinpoint plays, pinpoint tournaments that I want to be in um, where I don't have to be that much of the field. I think the cash perspective of it is something I never even thought about because, so, well, let's be honest, we all know I don't play cash. But for the people that do, like that's got to be really tough as well. Like I, I don't even think I would even want to play cash because it just, it just seems so. Week one is always an unknown, but this year it's even more of an unknown, and unlike anything we've ever seen. Because I don't know if anybody really knows what to expect week one, how this is going to play out, how things are going to look, and so for me. Yeah, like I, I, I'm gonna attempt. I say it every year that I'm gonna play light week one, and I'm not gonna play <laughs> a ton. And then I'm like, uh, I, I put in some. And I'm like, okay, I, I reserve these set. And then Saturday comes, I'm building lineups, and I'm like, man, okay, I want to put in some more. I'm gonna go over here, and next thing I know, I've you know, I've, I've put in as much as much as I've maxed out my bankroll in week one. I'm really gonna try not to do that this year. It's not, it's not advised. Don't do it. Don't do what I do. But uh, that, that's that's what I'm gonna attempt to not do this year. But yeah. I just feel like that, you know, especially for people that are just getting into DFS, because we always have the people who never play DFS, who never play NFL DFS, that typically play week one. And, like, I think you can get turned off from it because a lot of times, you know, you, you it's easy to get intrigued by seeing the Millie Maker at the $5 or, you know, some of these other huge tournaments that they have, the $3 that there's like right. 600,000 people in. Like, avoid those. Stay the fuck out of those. Don't play that. Like, go find, you know, the cheapest, like, you know, play the quarter jukebox or something like that. And <laughs> that than do anything else because I mean I think you know your goal should yes. be trying to earn a profit because you're never I'm sorry you hitting your one your your single bullet into the milli you're not going to win okay like if you want to do it for fun do it for <laughs> fun whatever but if you're trying to grind out a profit stay the fuck out of those big tournaments you're never going to win try to find the beginner level tournaments and stuff like that or cash games and stick to that for a while yeah. kind of get get your feet wet learn what you're doing 
you know, listen to the DFS DJ Nation pod and, and you know, make money. <laughs> Absolutely listen me, to the DFS DJ Nation pod. Let me also say that it's for if people don't really rely on ownership proje- percentages, projections, like before slate, week one is a great, is like the best week to leverage ownerships because of the uncertainty of, of what's going to happen. So, like, if you've got, you know, guys who are in possible committees, like let's say Jonathan Taylor, 5,700 versus Jacksonville, who their defense is horrible. If he's going to be popular, you know, maybe they get, maybe they do start out with Marlon Mack to start the year. Right. That's a spot you would not want to play Jonathan Taylor, despite, you know, maybe you feel like he's going to be the lead guy, but there is uncertainty there and we don't know, you know, how that situation is going to break out. So if he's coming in as one of the top five on running backs, it's a good spot. You want to get off of him, despite, you know, you might be a little bit high on him that for that week. Um, and, and vice versa with using guys in situations or uh, close, you know, running back or wide receiver rooms that we know that they're going to get the bulk of the work. Um, like Miles Sanders, he's going to play 85, 90% of the snaps and Boston Scott's not going to really take from him. Um, you know, and then like wide receivers, you got Julio and Calvin Ridley in Atlanta and not really much after that. So those are guys, you know, that are, you know, they're going to get their work. Um, they're going to get their targets in their normal volume. So that those are the situations, especially factoring in if, you know, if they maybe could be lower owned um, than they should be. Those are the situations that you want to have, you know, higher exposure to. Yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I, I agree with that too, Maddie. That's, it's that's, it's going to be interesting. And, and especially with just the state of how football is. I mean, we had, we kind of avoided, a scare, so to speak. I don't want to put it in those terms, but that's kind of what it felt like for me when they were doing the testing last weekend and we had all these teams come out with false positives. The Jets had false positives. The Bears had nine um, just all across the board. So it's going to be interesting um, when we get into, you know, that first week of just like the testing and kind of what protocols are in place and will a player be ruled out on the day of, you know, a slate, you know, an hour before lock or, you know, whatever, three hours before lock and, and people will be, you know, rushing. So I think, and, and one of the things too about it is, you know, in, mo- in most years, we've been able to kind of just, you know, set our lineups or people have been able to set their lineups. I know that we really, you know, kind of dabble before lock all the way up before 12 central one, one Eastern. Um, but I don't think you're going to be able to do that as much this year, you know, just set your lineups and forget it. You're going to need to be in tune to the news on a Sunday, on a Thursday, if you're playing the full weekend slate um, before, you know, kind of things are right. Even playing the Thursday, like that's going to be kind of even more. So you're going to want to be able to kind of pivot players. If you've, you know, you hit on players on Thursday. Okay. So now who's the rest of your team going into Sunday and do you need to make changes on that? Um, you can't just set it and forget it because there's going to be so many things I feel like that will factor into who's a good play or will that player play or what the situation is. We have no idea. And we're seeing it with baseball right now. Like that's not in a bubble. Baseball is probably operating the closest to what the NFL will be doing, going from city to city to city. And we're seeing that things get, you know, changed by the day with the, with those guys and with those players. So you're going to want to have to be in tune. You can't just, you know, if you're really going to be playing, you can't just, you know, show up on the day of and think that you're going to make, you know, a, a, a great lineup just because the players who are going out there are the players if they're not on the injury report. There's so many other factors. So I just want to make sure that 
um, people are people are thinking about these type of things as we get into the season because I think they're important. Um, Kev, go ahead if you have something to say. I was just going to say it's probably going to be there's probably going to be some weeks where it's like NBA where you have to be at your computer before lock yeah. because of uh, you know all of a sudden hey Zeke Elliott's out this week with COVID or, or whatever. Like you know it's going to happen. Like there's going to be some weeks where all of a sudden we're 30 minutes to lock and all of a sudden boom you know we got a couple guys that are out and all of a sudden we're scrambling to make decisions yeah i wonder what the timing of like the testing is going to be because they do you know i assume they're doing everyday testing so like on game days are the four Mm -hmm. o'clock the afternoon games like what time does their testing come in are they going to be getting results at you know 12 (laughs) 30 eastern and we've got 30 minutes to adjust for the four o'clock games are they going to come in after lock like i guess it's you know, I haven't really looked into that to see what what the scenario is for that. But yeah, it could be pure chaos, and I love it. I, I would guess. My thought would probably be that I would assume they would do it like Saturday. I would assume with the, with, with both right. teams there, where you test everybody. Because you, I mean, I don't think you'd want to be doing it. You know, Sunday where they're all in the field interacting and everything else. Because well, I, I, I know MLB going. teams, they've you know that they, they're some of their games have been banged from day of testing. I think. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it's yeah. going to work, but that's just it's going to be interesting to see how it's, it's yeah. play out. We, it, even even more reason why in week one you should, you kind of just want to you know make make your couple lineups and and just do it to have fun. Don't go crazy. Don't try and you know spike on the first on the first week. If you do that, that's great. Like if you hit the milli the first week, that's great. But yeah, um, you just got to be smart about about things as we kind of see this evolve over. The I would definitely of time. know how to mass edit a CSV file if you're going to mass mass <laughs> right. You know how to quickly uh, export and import that bad boy. Or Absolutely. Else, uh, you're, you can't get through uh, hand hand changing anything over 10 teams. <laughs> it's, it's not fun to do. Oh my goodness! Not at all. Not at all. Uh, let, let's let's go back to quarterbacks, Matty. I know you kind of kicked it off there, um, kind of viewing the slate. But but Kev, kind of talk to me about some of these these quarterbacks that you're looking at for Week One here. I mean, you know, we got we got some interesting matchups. I mean, we got the Carson Wentz going against Washington. Um, I know that you, we had talked in the chat, and you had kind of alluded to something where you wanted to, you know play this Arizona and San Fran game that's going to be on, you know, the afternoon slate there with Kyler Murray and then, or, or uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, which is what your build was around. I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that and and see where you are. And then we got the Cam Newton in new England at 6,100 where, you know, he's in a new situation. The price is pretty favorable for him, at least on DraftKings. it, It feels like, and it's just a matter of who are we, who are you taking with him? You know, are you pairing him with Nikhil Harry? Are you playing a 6K James White with no Sony Michelle? Are you going to, you know, Mohamed Sanu is still there, Julian Edelman. Like, it just seems like one of those weird things with him. I, I'm appealed. I'm, I'm really wanting to take him because the price is so appealing. But I just don't know if I can find the stack at this point yet on this early look. But Kev, what, what are you looking at so far? I don't know if I could play Cam Newton, to be honest with you, at 6,100, especially against Miami. Miami's upgrade, or really did a good job of upgrading their defense over this offseason. They have one of the better secondaries now, um, you know, in, especially in the division and, you know, really in football with bringing in Byron Jones. You know, they brought in Kyle Van Noah. I mean, they, they, they spent a lot of money on that defense this offseason. So that defense should be remarkably better than what it was last year. So I don't know if I'd love that matchup. That feels like a really low scoring 17 to 10 mm-hmm. type of affair, you know, starting out week one. But, for me, I, I think it was pretty simple. Like when I first logged in and I started really looking at this, 
it's going to be really hard not to want to attack that Seattle Atlanta game. It has one of the higher over-unders yes. on the slates. I mean, Russ, you know, mm-hmm. please let Russ cook uh, this season. Mr. Unlimited. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I would go. love it. But, I mean, you know, being able to pair him with a Tyler Lockett or a DK Metcalf, you know, run it back with a Julio or Calvin Ridley, I mean, seems really enticing. But I'm pretty sure that's what everybody's going to want to do as well because that 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 game is just, you know, spells shootout. Um, but for me, you know, if it's not him, if I want to pay down a little bit, like I do like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like Arizona's defense last year was pretty bad. They actually gave up the most uh, DK points to the position um, to quarterbacks last year. I don't think that defense is going to be much better. I so. For me, like I really like Jimmy Garoppolo, and it's such a low, it's such a um, an easy stack because you know outside of George Kittle, who it you know is is has priced up, but at wide receiver they don't have Debo Samuel. So right now we're waiting to see what's going to happen with Brandon Ayuk. They say it's mild, and if it is, I love playing Brandon. I think Brandon Ayuk could end up being in line for you know eight to ten targets in that game, and he is super cheap in his own right. So I just think it's a really cheap stack at fifty eight hundred to get him in. And so, like, I, I, if you're one of paying down a quarterback, like that is right where like that I would want to start because everybody else around there, I think you have some some questions. Like, I think Derek Carr is also interesting at 5900 going against Carolina. That Carolina defense is going to be so bad. And so, <laughs> if you want to play Derek Carr and you know pair him with Darren Waller or, um, you know Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs, that's uh, that a lot of people aren't you know that familiar with yet that are uh, just now getting back into into fantasy football. But and then you mentioned Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz going against Washington. Uh, absolutely love that matchup as well at sixty three hundred. Um, you know again pair him if you want to with Zach Ertz or Jalen Rager, Deshaun Jackson. You know it, perfect spot. Washington secondary is absolutely garbage. Uh, they went out and brought in Kendall Fuller, but Kendall Fuller was also garbage, and that's why Kansas City let him walk. And so I think these are all spots that I would be looking at. This kind of when I first kind of tuned in that that, that was that was right where I wanted to go. Yeah, I think I think Carson Wentz for me at this point, if I was building a cash game lineup, he he would probably be my favorable one. I mean, he's going against Washington. Um, you kind of know where the ball is going to go without Alshon Jeffrey being there. You know, you could take Zach Ertz at tight end, who's who's even priced down really um, at fifty eight hundred. It kind of feels too cheap for him. As I'm looking at like you know Mark Andrews at six K, Kittle at seventy two. And we know how favorable he is. He's got the questionable tag, but it's it's th- all this stuff is questionable, like around what training camp is. So I'm kind of liking, you know, taking players who we know are going to play and suit up if DraftKings doesn't fix these kind of Q tags and everything, because I think that kind of throws people off um, just from playing, you know, daily fantasy for so long. Like people just get thrown off if they see any type of injury injury uh, designation for these guys. Um, plus, and in, in Maddie, you alluded it too with Miles Sanders. Like he's one of those, he's one of the quarterbacks that you can pair with the running back and you can kind of get all of the points from the particular offense, I feel like, which which is pretty favorable as well. So, that, so yeah, that's good there. I mean, yeah, Kev, I, I, you didn't mention Jimmy, uh, or you didn't mention Kittle with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's 7,200. Is that somebody who you feel like you need to play? Um, just even knowing that Arizona was the team last year so bad that, that we attacked tight ends <laughs> against, and they really didn't do anything to shore up that situation of you know being able to guard the middle of the field so much. I don't I don't feel like you know they got the linebacker in the draft, um, and they I think they tried to do some things to shore up the front seven, but as far as 
you know, stopping somebody like a Kittle would go. I don't know if they're I don't know if they're really going to be able to. But paying up for tight end is not one that we always talk about so much. But it just seems like such a such an easy option to pay for him because you're getting a wide receiver at the tight end position. Yeah, I mean, I think if it was me, I think that's what I would do. I would, I would pair him with George Kittle, and then, like I said, probably run it. You know, run it with um, you know, if you wanted to with a uh, like I said, a Brandon Ayuk. I think is is certainly. I think Brandon Ayuk is like like I said, like forty four hundred or something like that that I looked yeah. at. And then I mean, even if he doesn't play, then Kendrick Bourne is in play. And even if he doesn't, Kendrick Bourne is still in play because Debo Samuel is likely not going to play. They lost Jalen Hurd. They brought in JJ Nelson, and I think Tavon Austin. Um, but I mean, those guys are you know nobody that I'm concerned with. So I think it would be a pretty clear path to touch it or clear path to targets for our Brandon Ayuk if he's able to play. And you know, and George Kittle is obviously going to eat no matter what. And then he gets the the nut matchup against going against the, the Arizona defense. So that's terrible against that. So yeah, I mean, I think and it's a, like I said, it's a pretty cheap stack when you're considering Garoppolo's 5800, Ayuk's 4400, and then you can you know then easily play George Kittle and still be able to do uh, a lot with the other positions. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at some of these other guys here. Um, I mean, how are we feeling about, you know, a guy like Josh Allen going against this Jets defense that, you know, just they got rid of Adams uh, through the offseason. They don't really have anybody else that I think, you know, is, is really threatening. But it's another situation with Buffalo there where you're looking at a team that really likes to run the ball. They don't really, you know, need to pass. And if this game isn't close or if this game ends up being low scoring, he might not get a usable score. And you're looking at Josh Allen being the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh uh, highest priced quarterback on the slate. He's around guys like Tom Brady on the road going against a New Orleans team where the points are going to be plentiful. Kyler Murray going against San Fran where the points should be plentiful. Um, Aaron Rodgers is only 63. Um, you got guys like Derek Carr, Gardner Minshew, Jimmy Garoppolo, all cheaper than him. So um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to Allen uh, at all. Uh, on this first look, but it it is just enticing to me just because he's got the Jets that he's playing against. I just don't think the Jets are going to push him on the other side. Is the one that's fair. Today. They've got both Singletary and Moss, who they can run fifteen to twenty times each if they really wanted to, and then Josh Allen. Right. I mean, you guys have it's just such a hard stack, too. Right. That's what. That's kind of more so what I was getting to is we don't really know yeah. how Stephon Diggs fits in. We don't really know, you know, what the running back roulette is going to be for them um, at all. So I do want to touch on Diggs real quick. So I was looking. I was actually looking into the. Uh, I did an article on the AFC East for uh, for line movement um, this week, and looking at Diggs over the last in 2017 and 2018, his A dot was only like eight yards one year and 10 yards the next. And then last year it was 15.1. So last year in Minnesota, he started to stretch the field a little bit more and he was their deep guy. So I wonder if he actually, you know, everybody, when you think of Stefan Diggs, you think of, you know, quick, quick hitter routes over the middle of the field, right? Cause he's, yep. you know, he uses his quick feet to get open. Uh, he's one of the best route runners in the league, but you know, last year he was seeing, an average depth of target of over 15 yards. And that's that's air yards per target. That's not including anything after the catch. So, I mean, they were working him down the field more. And so I I wonder if he actually fits in with Josh Allen a little bit better than than what the community, you know, is is giving him credit for. Yeah, and pretty that's much a- everybody is shit on 
It's Stephon yeah. Diggs. Everybody has <laughs> yes. said this is such a horrible matchup because Josh Allen is so inaccurate. And I mean, yeah, Josh Allen's inaccurate, but he's no less accurate than Cam Newton has been in his career. Cam Newton's got seven out of his 10 seasons or whatever are under 60% completion percentage. And Allen went from 50% his rookie year to 59% last year. So that's right in line with Cam Newton, but yet everybody wants to love on Cam Newton now that he's a Patriot and talking about how good he was, you know? I mean, <laughs> like you, you, can't, you can't call Josh Allen inaccurate and then turn around and say Cam Newton's the greatest thing you've ever seen. It, it doesn't work right. like that. So um, I, I, I personally think Diggs will be a, a great fit for if he continues to, you know, stretch the field like he, like he did last year. Um, because he is one of the best route runners and Josh Allen doesn't need to throw him open because he will be open. I know we don't know yet what's going to happen with Chicago, uh, but that, that matchup is not terrible uh, for Nick Foles or I guess Mr. Trubisky. I guess that, you know, I guess the last report I saw today was there uh, Nick Foles is, is just inches ahead of Mitchell Trubisky. And I've seen the Mitchell Trubisky has looked fantastic this offseason or through training camp stuff. But at 5,400, I think they're both 5,400. I think they're the cheapest quarterbacks you can get on the slate because I was looking at Tyrod, and Tyrod's actually 5,600. So I believe he is the cheapest on the slate, um, those two. And that's a pretty decent matchup going against the Detroit Lions who don't have the best secondary, who lot, who got rid of Darius Slay. Yes, they spent a, their what their top five pick on um, on a corner, but I, w- I wouldn't expect week one that this guy's going to come in and be a shutdown corner. So I don't know, like having a, l- a little bit of, uh, you know, if it's Nick Foles and Allen Robinson stack, like, I don't know. I think that that could be a low owned stack that a lot of people aren't on. Now, I don't know how, what's going to happen. I mean, who knows? Mr. Trubisky could win it. And uh, uh, I wouldn't be as excited about that, but I don't know. I mean, I know Ryan, you are in Chicago, so I'm sure you've <laughs> been much more closer to this situation. Does it sound like Mr. Trubisky's actually going to win this job? Or is it going to be Nick Foles? I'm, I, it's, it's, it's typical Chicago. It's too close to, to tell at this point. I mean, it, it Outside of here, and even even some people here, it's Nick Foles who's starting. But it's just laughable because you can't turn on sports radio or the news or Twitter and not see people just salivating over Mitchell Trubisky. All the training camp reports coming out are, you know, Akeem Hicks wants to say something about him. Everybody on the defense, Khalil Mack wants to say it doesn't matter who's back there. We're going to be balling. You know, nothing. There's no real traction that's getting on Nick Foles, which was very different than what had been happening pretty much from March until June or the start of July, which was basically, you know, it was Nick Foles' job to lose because they brought everybody in to kind of cater to him. So I'm not sure, you know, the the Bears are turning into one of those teams where – I don't want to say Matt Nagy's like Bruce Arians where he says something and you just can't believe him all yet, but it it is turning into that point where they're saying one thing for narrative speak for the public. And then they go off and do a totally different thing. Like all this talk around Mitchell Trubisky could just be null and void to just say that, you know, Nick Foles is going to be the starter and that's who we're planning for. And we don't want people to have to game plan against what we're going to be doing against Nick Foles with no preseason. This is a team that didn't want to play their starters in the preseason because they just wanted to save everything for the regular season and let everything be a secret. Okay. We saw how that turned out. (laughs) So I don't know if we can really trust that situation, but them being the same price on DraftKings is just laughable. Um, If Nick Foles is the starter, I mean, that's 100%, you know, you play him and you kind of feel confident about that because yeah, like you said, Kev, I mean, they have tight end roulette. We don't know who to trust there. 
Like David, David Montgomery, people are talking about him for redraft. I own shares of him. That's fine. But, you know, Tariq Cohen could still be a play and they're kind of similarly priced towards each other. So I think you're right. You would just take Nick Foles to Allen Robinson, who's the leaps and bounds number one wide receiver on the team. And just go with that and, and see what you can do. And it's going to be, you know, you're not going to have that much of your salary being taken up. So you could jam in, you know, other high priced guys from around these other, you know, explosive games and just hope that you can hit on something there with Nick Foles, you know, throwing three touchdowns, two of them go to Allen Robinson. But a- another guy who I'm kind of looking at who really his options are kind of limited and has a questionable running back situation is Garner Minshew. And Garner Minshew comes in at only 5,800 on DraftKings for this slate. So he's pretty affordable there going against an indie team, but has Phillip Rivers on the other side who's, you know, known to turn the ball over and known to put up points in a shootout or something. And this game, I think, is just it's kind of I think they priced it to where Jacoby Brissett would be on the other side of this game. And that's not the case. You have Phillip Rivers there. On the other side. So I think this game has sneaky shootout potential. And you're looking at a guy like Gardner Minshew. And even with the guys like D.D. Westbrook, Keelan Cole, some of these other guys there, I want to stack him with DJ Chark. Like they're, they're tied in, just got hurt, it sounds like, from training camp reports that I was looking at. And so at Chark at 6,300, it just seemed, he just seems like he's going to be lost in the shuffle there. You pair him with the Gardner Minshew at 5,800. And, and then I'm just logging out. And I don't even know if you really need to run it back on the other side from Indy because it maybe Indy goes up, you know, a couple scores and Garner's forced to throw, but this is a guy, you know, he was battling with Nick Foles last year um, for kind of playing time to see who would be the starter. And then when Nick Foles was hurt, this dude was throwing like 30 times a game. I mean, he was going out there and just throwing, he runs too, gets you points there. So I think at 5,800, he can definitely, you know, find himself into a 20 point game easily. And you pair him with Chark, and I feel like that's that's definitely a favorable uh, favorable approach there. So I, I really like getting to that on some builds early on. I think one good thing about about Minshew as well as his um, underrated ability to get out of the pocket. I mean, he was top five in almost every rushing metric last year for quarterbacks. So he has a little bit of that that rushing upside that we kind of look for in certain guys. And so. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that with Gardner Minshew, um, with being able to, you know, use him for that. I mean, he only played, I think, fourteen games last year. He was, like I said, he was top three or four in rushing yards. Yeah, he was, he was number one, I think, in carries per game, or or top five in carries per game. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's another uh, underrated aspect of Gardner Minshew's game that uh, that we should be looking at in terms of DFS. Absolutely, I, I, I just, I, I like the guy. I like the player. You know, they got some fun things going on with him with the Bud Light sweepstakes that you could do if you draft him first in your drafts he's kind of all in bought into the fantasy type of hype so i just i just love that type of stuff so i yeah i'm looking i'm looking at gardner Minshew as kind of a cheap quarterback option to play let's talk about some of these other running backs here on the slate as um you know it gets really interesting as you you know you kind of look i really feel like mid-range running backs is kind of where we're I'm going to end up going. I don't want to say where you want to be, but where I want to end up going. You got Christian McCaffrey at the top at 10K. Dalvin Cook is the second highest option at 7-9, and there's still a lot of just drama circulating with Dalvin Cook that doesn't make me feel comfortable in doing anything with the guy right now as far as playing him in DFS, drafting him in redraft, or any anything like that. But he's second price at 7,900, so you're saving a significant amount. And then Alvin Kamara, you know, at 7,200, I feel like he could be interesting. Um, we know that Drew Brees in the Dome is – 
lights out. He always puts up numbers in the dome. You're going against a Tampa Bay team that it, we've seen likes to stop the run in the past. That's kind of what they they built their MO on last year is that they were a pass funnel team and you didn't want to really take running backs against them. But Alvin Kamara, he he's catching passes when it when it's with Drew Brees. So at 7,200, I think he can find himself into a usable score. Um, he you know he's banged up last year a little bit. And then kind of came into the fold there. And, and, you know, if you're not paying up for a guy like Michael Thomas in this game, who's 9K, which I I think you should have shares of him if you're multi-entering, I think 7,200 Alvin Kamara, when you're just looking at the running back slate, and if you're not taking a 10K uh, Christian McCaffrey because you can't fit him in, you know, who's going to give you the next opportunity to give you a, a winnable score from the running back position? And I'm, I'm just looking at Alvin Kamara. He really stands out to me um, from that pass catching ability if you can take advantage of. Um, a guy like Aaron Jones at 6,900, there's no options outside of Devontae App. Adams there in Green Bay, like they're, they're just a joke. And he's he's shown numerous times last year that he's got pass catching ability. He's 6,900. He's had big games against Minnesota. I think he's got like four touchdowns in the past three games that he's played against them. He had like a 150 game against them for two scores last year. Um, you know, it's a divisional matchup. I, I, I like Aaron Jones at that price tag as well. He's he's had some great great scores um with with Aaron Rodgers and then yeah I mean outside of these guys like Maddie you touched on that and you can continue to with Miles Sanders you know at 6300 he's just too cheap with being you know the option there and being going to be utilized what we think as as a lead back and you're looking at it and he's priced at the you know 10th 11th guy on DraftKings pricing it just really doesn't make sense um when you're looking at guys around him with you know, Joe Mixon at 6,700 against the Chargers. Maybe you could talk me into that, but I'd still rather pay for Sanders. Kenyon Drake is banged up. Nick Chubb is 6,500 on the road against Baltimore. Even Chris Carson, you know, 6,200, who I would like playing on on a, a site like FanDuel where you're not really needing to buy into the PPR noise. But even Chris Carson at 6,200 kind of makes some sense in that same game. Um, and then you're getting into the likes of like James White, Fournette, Montgomery, Mostert. So I just think that Sanders just makes so much sense to get, kind of put in and b- build your teams around. Um, what, what are you looking at here, you know, Maddie, while you're looking at things? I mean, I'm, I'm scrolling down. And I'm seeing like Le'Veon Bell at 5,600. He kind of gave me some merit of appeal just because I just don't know how the Jets, you know, put up points in this game, I guess, in a 5,600 Le'Veon Bell. If you would have said that last year, I w- people would have laughed you in the face. Like, this dude has traditionally been a 7K price running back on DraftKings and above. Um, but I, I guess, you know, just the mighty have fallen, and that's kind of where we're getting him there. But he's still getting pass-catching opportunities from Sam Darnold, so he could pay off that price tag, I think, for sure on DraftKings. But I'm, I'm curious to see where you're at, Matty, with this slate. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you touched on most of the the guys, um, you know, that are even worth considering at first glance. Uh, I think Miles Sanders and and Carson make a ton of sense at sixty two and sixty three hundred um, for guys who are going to see a ton of volume. Uh, we know, you know, it's the, the Seahawks brought in Carlos Hyde, but I mean, he's only going to handle a handful of touches, I'm sure. Um, Rashad Penny's not back yet. He's on the the pup list. So, and you've got Carson who saw 47 targets last year, um, which is shocking because I didn't know he saw that much. 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, a guy who's going to see anywhere from, you know, probably in the three to four target range, that's still usable on DraftKings. I mean, it's not a, you know, a Christian McCaffrey type or Miles Sanders type usage, but I mean, even Sanders last year down the stretch, he was seeing five to six targets every game. So you're giving me a guy who's going to see three to four targets and still going to run the ball. He's probably Carson will probably be near the top in terms of uh, rushing attempts in week one. I know he's got a questionable tag listed next to his name, but it's not for injury purposes. I think he had some, he had a, a yeah, he personal funeral or he something. Hasn't been, he hasn't been to training camp yet. Like he hasn't actually showed up yet. Um, he's been dealing with stuff at home. I think that he's had some family members pass away. I think if I remember correctly. Um, so he hasn't actually been there. I know Pete Carroll had recently said that they expect him back soon. I, that that does give me some pause. Like, is he going to be ready to go for week one? I know he says he's got a little bit of time, and I know he knows his offense. True. Is he going to be in physical shape to be out there and getting that kind of touches? Because the guy that's really, I guess, has flashed in camp has been DJ Dallas, was the fourth-round pick out of Miami. Um and he is he is somebody that is also a capable pass catcher, but he is much more in line with kind of like a Chris Carson type body type. Um, he's not like a satellite back at all. So, do I think DJ Dallas has a role week one? Probably not. But um, I, I would be concerned a little bit with Chris Carson and how much opportunity he gets week one. Okay, yeah, I didn't know he hadn't been there at all. And from the way I, what I read, it made it seem like he was returning, as in he had left. But um, yeah, that's definitely a different different scenario and definitely one that you need to pay attention to. And um, definitely makes me me question. Well, something we'll have to revisit on our week one uh, when we take a deeper dive, but I think an interesting name isn't, uh, isn't Swift banged up right now for the lions. Well, carry on Johnson has, he's, he's been in a, he's been in a brace and uh, uh, yeah, but he's been in and out of, 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 of camp and um, getting opportunities. So there, there's been a lot of these guys though that, that have suffered so, um, the soft tissue injuries because of it, you know, but a lot of it you have to question because a lot of these, a lot of the coaches have said that if anything minor happens, they're pulling him because they don't want to risk anything of these guys getting hurt. Like Tyree kill, for example, he came up and pulled up lame, but you know, they, they came afterward and said, it's a very mild injury that they're not worried about. Miles Sanders was the same thing that they, they said afterwards that it was going to be a very mild situation. So I think some of these guys are, are being a little bit cautious in terms of how they're utilizing them. True. Yeah. I guess that I didn't get to, I didn't really touch on Stafford, but I do like Stafford a lot. So I guess that just kind of would reaffirm my, my love for Stafford in the, the funnel of targets to Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. Um, but yeah, so I guess then, you know, you got to try to find a way to pay up at running back. Uh, I really like the Kamara call. I don't think, you know, I don't think it's smart to rely on last year's defensive stats. So, you know, everybody's going to see that that big red number one in terms of uh, points mm-hmm. allowed to the running back position for Kamara, and they may not pay for him because of how good Tampa Bay was against the running back position last year. But I think, you know, he's going to be a staple of their offense. He's going to catch a ton of passes. Doesn't really need to rely on a good rushing matchup for him to have a big game. So uh, I think Kamara makes a ton of sense. Uh, Eckler in the same breath, you know, he's going to see a lot of pass game work. We saw him last year uh, for a glimpse to start the year without Melvin Gordon, and he was just racking up DK points left and right, 39-24, 15, 29, 23, uh, 6-28, and 28, and then Melvin came back. So I really do like Eckler. Uh, Cincinnati was a, a sieve last year, and, you know, I, they didn't really – 
they're dealing with some injuries on the defensive side of the ball as well. They didn't really make too many upgrades. So um, I, I think Eckler and Kamara make a ton of sense as pass catching running backs if you're not paying all the way up for McCaffrey. But I think it, it all starts with Miles Sanders um, at 6,300 for me. Um, and outside of that, if you want to get really weird, Kev, this is for you since you like oh to boy. get weird. Uh, oh 4K, boy. Jarek McKinnon is kind of interesting on a, on a PPR site just because, you know, he's when he's in, he's going to be used in the passing game. Um, cause that's not really Coleman and, and most role. And Kev, you already went through, you know, they, they are banged up for pass catchers. You know, their wide receiver group is, is pretty, pretty thin right now. So outside of Kittle, um, I mean, there's not really many other names there that, you know, they kind of jump off the page at you. So if McKinnon, I know he's missed last couple of years with, with his knee injury, but I mean, if he's anything close to what he, what he was before, um, I mean, he's an explosive back out of the backfield and a couple touches and can maybe house one from 30 yards out looking at a solid minimum price running back. Yeah. Um, he, and he, he's been getting a lot of rave reviews so far through camp as well. And, uh, how good he's looks and everything. So we'll see on that. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think there's some other options that's, uh, well, Juan Damian Harris, uh, he has been the talk of training camp for New England. He's only 4,300. We'll have to see what happens with Sonny Michelle because if Sonny Michelle's out, like it's very realistic that Damian Harris could be walking into the, as the starter week one for the New England Patriots against the Miami Dolphins. So uh, that's something we're going to have to monitor, obviously, over the next couple of weeks because they now it started to look like Sonny Michelle wasn't going to play week one, and then it was like, well, maybe he has a shot. Because if he doesn't play, you have Rex Burkhead, you know, James White obviously is still the pass catching back, but, you know, I, I think Damian Harris could end up being at 4,300, could end up maybe being that guy who turns out to be the the kind of the chalk play of week one if, if Sonny Michelle doesn't play because he's likely going to get that early down volume. Rex Burkhead will still get some opportunities as well, but I think Damian Harris could walk into a 15-carry roll, 15-touch roll, and Damian Harris is also a capable pass catcher as well. So right. something more than what Sony Michelle is, they, you know, they spent that third round pick on him last year. He never got to play. I think he had like what four touches or something all year. Played like twelve snaps or whatever it was. So he never got an opportunity. And kind of people just kind of uh, threw him out with the bathwater uh, over the off season. And then you know, as things happen with Sony Michelle, who's always constantly hurt, has really started to creep up and it has really built a name for himself so far through training camp. Now it is training camp, so we have to take that with a grain of salt. But at the same time, they don't really have any other options there in New England. I mean, you look at Nikhil Harry, Julian Edelman's still there, Muhammad Sanu. But in terms of running backs, like, you know, it's it's a hodgepodge group of guys. So Lamar Miller, they signed, who is yet to practice either. I think he's somebody that probably gets cut, you know, before before the season starts. I don't think he ever even plays for that team. But, you know, so Damian Harris at 4,300, I think, is an interesting play. Someone to monitor. And as we get closer, if Sonny Michelle's out, like, he's probably going to end up being pretty chalky. But for me, I think some guys... Josh Jacobs, I think, is super interesting at 6,800 below Aaron Jones. And, I mean, Carolina was absolutely horrific against the run last year. And newsflash, their defense is probably going to be just as bad, if not worse. It has to be worse. <laughs> they lost Kuki, They lost Luke Keekley. They, you know, they lost multiple pieces along that defense. Yes, they spent a heavy amount of draft capital to fix that defense. But I'm telling you, these rookies are not going to be able to come in week one. So this defense is going to be so bad. And Josh Jacobs, as we know, in, in games that are you know positive game skips for him, is he was so much better in terms of whenever they were down. It was kind of like that Derrick Henry effect a little bit. Um, I think he scored all of his touchdowns when they were leading. So um, 
Yeah, I, I like Josh Jacobs at 6,800. I think we know he's the workhorse. I think he gets more pass-catching volume this year. I know some people are concerned because they've brought in the the dust that is Theo Riddick. And, you know, they've re, re, they brought back Jalen Richard And, you know, they, they drafted Lynn Bowden. So, but regardless of that, like, I think week one, I think Josh Jacobs, you can almost guarantee he's probably going to get 20 touches in that game. He's got to get goal line opportunities against the defense that is bad as the Carolinas is. At 6,800, I'm about that life. And so I have no problem going there. Um, I absolutely agree with Miles Sanders at 6,300. 6, absolutely love that, especially against Washington. I think you can do that. Um, I think Todd Gurley's a little bit interesting at 6,100. Seattle's defense, uh, especially up front, is awful. They lost Jadavion Clowney. You know, they didn't really do anything to fix it. They're probably going to have the worst pass rush in all of football this year. Mm. And so I think Todd Gurley at 6,100, you know, I think he's – Again, probably locked in for probably 20 touches in this game. He's on a one-year contract. They're going to run his ass into the ground. You know, they really have nothing to lose there. So, you know, Todd Gurley at 6,100 with his upside, I think, is, is, a, is, is a solid place that I would be looking to go. And then past that, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of guys that really stand out to me. I mean, if DeAndre Swift ends up being the starter, but that is against Chicago. Chicago's defense is decent. Um, I don't know how great or how much I would feel about doing something like that. And then past that, kind of scrolling down, at least right now as things stand, there's not anybody that really stands out to me outside of maybe Damian Harris who could be a play. You have Kenyon Drake's this this uh, him being in a boot, which he said he's fine. I think Chase Edmonds at 4400 is you know somewhere you could look. Justin Jackson at 4400. Um, Look, I think there's a shot that Justin Jackson uh, ends up being a guy who gets 10 to 15 touches per game. Uh, if you look you know, with Melvin Gordon gone, Melvin Gordon averaged about 17 touches per game. I know we all expect Austin Eckler to come in and kind of soak up all of this, but I don't think that's really going to be the case. And Anthony Lynn has done a lot of talking about Justin Jackson this offseason, saying that he's actually the this, the key to this running of this, this backfield, which was somewhat surprising for someone to say, considering he hasn't had many opportunities. But anytime Justin Jackson's been on the field, he's been productive. Um, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But I, you know, he could be somebody at 4,400 if you're kind of looking to, you know, kind of pay up at some positions. If you're wanting to pay down, Justin Jackson could be a spot you could go to, um, especially against Cincinnati uh, in a game that they should be able to win handedly. What, uh, what are you guys doing with the Buffalo backfield? Because Singletary's Moss. 54 and Moss is 4,400. Yeah, like okay. I, that's another one. Zach Moss, certainly. Um, I think yeah. that uh, I think he's going to end up being... Against the Jets, the game they should win pretty easily. Yeah, I, I think he gets plenty yeah. of opportunities. I think he's the early down guy. He gets the goal line work, and he's honestly, he's a better pass catcher than what yeah, Devin that's Singletary Yeah, that's is what too. I was going to say. Is he, Moss had sneaky pass catching upside coming out of college. Yeah, it was just, which kills me because I hated Zach Moss when he was coming out. Like, I shit all over the game. It, it, it wasn't so much I hated him. It was I hated the hype that was surrounding him where people – there were certain there were certain people in the community that were talking about him like he is. You hated him too, Kev. Don't lie. That's what I just said. Like, I hate him because I hated the I hated the hype. Like, I felt like he should have been going – like, he should have been like the seventh or eighth running back, and people were talking about him as being like a top three running back in this class. And I was like, okay, let's slow the, slow our roll, slow our roll, slow our roll. And it just kept getting hotter and hotter. So I'm just like, you know what? Like, and that's where I end up like – I couldn't do it, but now here we are, and I feel like you have to be fluid in this situation, and you have to adjust your opinion on players as we get more information. And to be honest with you, like he is stealing the camp there in, 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 in Buffalo. Devin Singletary just seems like he's cooked in that situation. and But Devin Singletary is still being drafted well ahead in, in seasonal leagues, ahead of Zach Moss, and it's ridiculous. Zach Moss is going in like the 11th round. He, Zach Moss should be going at this point probably in the 7th or 8th round, and he's not. But you know, in terms of week one, I think 
yeah, I think I think that's a that's also a really uh, sharp call on Zach Moss at, at his price. Yeah, for sure. And and I, I I just think I'll have to end up avoiding their backfield altogether. I mean, I I, I like having Zach Moss, I guess, exposure to and uh, high entry fields if I'm if I'm mass entering, you know. 20 max or 150 max i'll have some exposure but it's just one i just i'll go somewhere else i don't want to have to guess between him and singletary this first week i'll just let it kind of kind of play out for me um in this regard uh but at the wide receiver position you know we we've talked about stacking our stacking our quarterbacks with our wide receivers there's only a few quarterbacks I feel like you can ever play naked. You know, Lamar Jackson would be one of them because of his running running ability. I get I guess maybe Josh Allen would would come into that fold in some regards, but I still think you'd want to have a pass catcher with him. Um, so with the guys that we're taking, you know, and, and Kevin, I think we've all alluded to it of having exposure to the Seattle side. Like I at this first look, I'm trying to figure out ways to get Russ Lockett and Metcalf. In, into lineups and and just you know figuring out what I can do from there because you're thinking about a Seattle team and if they're if they're behind in this game or even if they're not and 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 Carson's not getting going like the offensive options that Russell has outside of these two guys are like really non-existent from a pass catching standpoint you know I, the tight ends are you know not really appealing. I mean, these guys are both double digit target hogs and you're getting, you know, you put Russ Lockett and Metcalf in, you're only utilizing about 19.3 of your salary. You still have 5k left per player for all the rest of your positions. And you could really get all of the Seattle points in this offense. Like Metcalf being 5,800 is ridiculous. And Tyler Lockett's only 6,500 to go along with that. And instead of guessing on who's really going to be the play, and we know, I, I, I can tell you right now that Metcalf, on any builds that are in right now, this this guy is forty percent owned at fifty eight hundred. He's forty percent owned in in a game that's expected to get near fifty. So you know, I don't I don't want to have to necessarily fade him, and so I'll take him and lock it, and just hope that I can get you know get away with both of those guys and. and and have a good day. I mean, guys like Calvin Ridley too at 61. I, I, I really like that price. He should be popular um, and expensive or, you know, not popular, but, or not expensive, but he's, he's going to be popular. I think Julio Jones at 7,700 makes a ton of sense in a game stack like that um, because you're just, you're trying to get all of the wide receiver points there. And I, and I just really think that people will play, Ridley over Julio because of the salary saving difference that you're going to get there. Um, I'm looking at guys like OBJ. He's 5,900. Seems way too cheap. He's the same price as Landry. Um, I, I just, you know, going against Baltimore, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that OBJ needs to be priced higher than that. That's just my opinion. It's crazy to see him priced at the same as Landry. Um. Kendrick Bourne, we talked about, he's 5K. If for some reason Ayuk is more hurt than he is, is you know, I I, I definitely want to get some exposure to him. I, Philly pass catchers, you know, what are we doing? Jalen Rager, uh, Deshaun Jackson, 4,900. Uh, outside of the tight ends, you know, you have these guys. And then Greg Ward. Greg Ward's been getting hype. And he, I know he's down there on the list. He's 4,200. So 
That's Jalen Rager is ridiculously too low. It's so low. Like, Forty three. He's he's, he's chalk. He's chalk. Like you a can't square. Yeah, you can't build a cash lineup without him. I don't think. Like you just start Rager and Miles Sanders, and get all the Philly points basically, outside of Ertz. Uh, yeah, I mean outside of Ertz. I mean that's the that's the only way. Even even if Ertz, you know ends up being the play quote unquote like at 4300 this dude is going to pay off his price tag he's their wide receiver one he's he's going to pay off that price tag and and people will play Deshaun over him is the crazy thing at yeah. 4900 what about what so uh well what, what about Brian Edwards because like I love some Brian Edwards and Tyrell Williams sounds like uh with his labrum injury that he's got and you know, we, we already kind of talked about that game and attacking the Panthers. You know, he's super short. I think he's forty two hundred, and again, that's, that's that's too cheap for me. And I, I feel like that the the volume could definitely be there um, for him. And in this matchup, I don't know that that's just so cheap as well. Like, I feel like really like I, I'm gonna end up talking myself into a Raiders stack is what's gonna end up happening because you know I think Derek Carr is interesting, and I, like I said, Josh Jacobs, and then just just get real wild with it and run Brian Edwards or Henry Ruggs at that for that matter. Yeah, they just man, they've just got a lot of a lot of bodies in on that offense. Like not necessarily anybody, you know, that's there to steal a lot of the targets, but it just feels like there's a lot of guys who are just going to eat into each other's volume. It's like you got Renfro in there who's going definitely going to see targets. Um Tyrell Williams if he plays, he's going to see targets, Rugs uh, Edwards, they signed Jason Witten for whatever reason. Waller, <laughs> I'm blanking on the other tight end's name behind Waller last year. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, um, I'm looking. I'm looking right now. LV Moreau, Foster Moreau, Moreau. Yeah, Moreau. Yeah, 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 Moreau. Yeah. So I'm like, they've they'll go like sometimes they went three tight end sets last year. They just do weird stuff. Um, so while I agree, Kev, I, I think it it could be a spot where they definitely you know you want to attack that Carolina. Um, defense, man, it just—it's just a lot of bodies, and they got Aguilar in there. I know he's trash, but I mean he's still there. And like <laughs> they've talked, about, you know, they've talked about Aguilar in camp. So it's like I don't know—I don't know what the snap share is going to look like among all these guys. I would—I uh, would love to bet on the Edwards and Ruggs talent. I would. I just. I feel like I feel like at least for me, I think Edwards is a better fit for Derek Carr in terms of what Derek because Derek Carr was 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 great as a deep ball passer last year. He just he just is so reluctant to do it. Um, I think he was like 34th in deep ball attempts last year, but I think he was like top 10 in deep ball completion percentage. But he just doesn't want. He just will not throw throw deep, and obviously that fits much better with with Henry Ruggs. They've talked a lot about getting Henry Ruggs and playing him in the slot. Obviously, Henry Ruggs is, is a player that's going to open up that entire offense, somebody that they really didn't have. I know Tyrell Williams is much more of a deep threat, but Henry Ruggs' speed is next level. It's Ty- Tyree Kill level type speed. And so I think that that's another level that brings into this offense. But I think I feel like Brian Edwards is a better fit for what Derek Carr likes to do. And so th- that, that's, why, that's why I like Brian Edwards so much. And I, I honestly think that Brian Edwards could end up being – and uh, in terms of just like a season long thing, I think Brian Edwards could end up being the guy who scores the most fantasy points and uh, be the number one in this offense because he is that good. Uh, had he not got hurt pre combine, I think he's somebody that would have went in the second round, not in the third. Like he he is that talented of a player, and so that's and everything we've been hearing about him as a um, 
as, as you know, all the hype that we've been hearing, I think it's justified because I think he's actually that damn good. And so the Raiders got to steal in the third round. And like, I just feel like he's a better fit for this offense. And that's why I think that if I was one to project somebody who's going to lead this team in targets week one, it would be Brian Edwards. I, I mean, I, I like that Kev at, at 4,200 and you're not, you know, you're getting exposure to that game. I think, I think I could see myself having some shares of him just to get exposure to that game. Outside of what would be obvious on the Carolina side, you yeah, know, I mean you run it back with probably trying a, to run DJ it Moore, you know, yeah. or Christian McCaffrey, you know, however you want to do it, because that would be such a cheap stack. I mean, you'd be able to easily get you know CMC in the you know in that way, right? Or yeah, or even if you want to, you know, if you wanted to pay up for a Teddy Bridgewater, uh, McCaffrey Moore, run it back with Edwards stack. I could see myself maybe doing that too. Um, I don't know. I don't know what kind of Teddy Bridgewater we're going to get at this point yet. I, I, I kind of want to see him. He's not in the Saints offense anymore. You know, a lot of a lot of hype has been talked about Carolina. And I just I just want to see it first. I like Teddy. I like the bounce back he had. I mean, from going to Minnesota, having the injury, getting a, you know, revamp career. I, I, I'm, I support it, but I just need to see it first because the hype has been incredible incredible Derek the hype is incredible but he will win somebody a milli I know that he will win somebody a milli this year if Ryan um, Fitzpatrick can win somebody a milli hey Bridgewater definitely can hey and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick this week I mean Kev you were the one talking about the Miami you know offense so to speak or the Jets you know offense so hey. to speak going crazy in that division against the Patriots the Patriots have no D right now all their players are on the injured reserve from you know being scared of covid so is fitzpatrick gonna do something this week week one hey i'm I'm happy i'm happy the jets you know get uh we got to get off on a hot start we got to run we got to run hot this year the jets all right i need you this year to outscore (laughs) and we can start week one okay just drop the hammer on the patriots week one if you listen to our previous podcast you know what we're talking about (laughs) but uh with my bet with Derek, so i need it i love it i love it i love it i love it um let's 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 talk about tight end at first look and then do a quick quick wrap on defense just to see what we're liking i mean tight end um, Kittle's at the top. I don't think we need to discuss that. If if you can fit him, you pay for him. Um, if you're playing cash this week, I think you pay for him. I don't I don't really see how you could talk me out of doing anything different. But for GPP plays, um, it, and Derek kind of alluded to it in the chat. But you know Hayden Hurst at 4300 to get some exposure outside of the Atlanta uh, Atlanta wide receivers in this game, I think makes a ton of sense. I think Seattle. Seattle was definitely at the bottom tier defending the tight end position last year. And so if we can, you know, get some of that goodness here with a guy like Hayden Hurst who, you know, they got rid of Austin Hooper, brought this guy in. I think he's going to see the field a lot in pass catching situations. 4,300 just seems like a, a very fair price for him. I, I, I think he's, you know, going to be hard for me to get away from. Um, you know, I, I guess a guy like, Mike Gusecki, I could be interested in. I'm just on a first look here. We're not looking at the same Patriots defense. So I'm very curious who they're going to run out there um, as far as, you know, their defensive backs go. But you got a Mike Gusecki at 4,500 who might go under the radar, I think, just because it is the Patriots and people not really thinking about what that defense is going to look like with all these guys sitting. But I think, you know, he definitely has some appeal at his price tag. Um, Outside of those two guys, I'm not really on anything 
in in the cheap range and maybe you guys could talk me into some of these other guys i i, I just i just don't really see anything i maybe chris herndon he's all the way down here at 3300 um if i needed salary relief and i could convince myself to to take him i would but i'm probably going to end up with a lot of gasecki a lot of Hurst, uh and then maybe you know a zach Ertz um to get the philly pass catchers with with him and uh him and rager and and just call it a day. What what are you guys seeing from the tight end position that you like? Yeah, I love the Hurst call. Uh, Seattle runs zone near the top of the league um, in terms of percentage of of zone plays. Uh, so I mean, you look up Hooper's numbers last year; he was better against zone. And I think Hurst is going to plug right into the Hooper role. Um, Hurst didn't really have the volume in in Baltimore, but he, on a yards per route run basis. He basically matches Hooper to the almost to the tenth of a yard. So um, I, I think it's basically a plug and play for Hurst into Hooper's role, and you're get, you're getting basically Austin Hooper for forty three hundred uh, against the zone defense is, is how I'm looking at that. Um, so the, I really like the Hurst call. Uh, like you said, it's really hard to get away from Kittle up at the top. Um, something funny I just saw. I was looking at uh, the Ravens depth chart on on ourlads.com because uh, I was looking at you know, Miles Boykin at 4,100 is very interesting at the wide receiver position considering he's their number two receiver. But they uh, they have uh, Nick Boyle listed as the tight end one and Mark Andrews as tight end two, which is funny. But <laughs> it's probably just for, you know, semantics. But anyways, I digress. I think a cheat tight end that is interesting is Irv Smith against the Packers. Uh, obviously, they're without digs now. Um, Irv was playing already playing 60% of the snaps last year and it's his second year with the team. Um, I, I think that he takes a, a step up this year and 3,100, you can definitely do worse in a game, you know, I mean, Green Bay can score. Um, so, I mean, Minnesota, even if like, especially if Dalvin Cook's got something weird going on where they've, you know, they can't just rely on him and Kirk's got to air it out a little bit with, with Diggs missing, there's, there's a big hole. So, I think Irv Smith makes makes some sense down there in that price tag. I like I like that call a lot. I mean, Kyle Rudolph has been dead pretty much in in, in the past couple of years, just going out there and just not really returning dividends on what he can provide um, as far as it comes to pass catching opportunities. So I, yeah, I mean, I could I, I really like that if we could find some some cheap tight end goodness that would definitely help me and building some of these lineups, get some salary relief. Um, Kev, what, what say you at the tight end position or you, you hit on everything, you want to move it to defense? No, I mean, I think I, you know, I definitely agree on Kittle. Uh, I think Hunter Henry against the Cincinnati, I think is definitely in play. If you go look at Tyrod Taylor's time back in Buffalo, um, his favorite target was always the tight end, which at the time, now his name is escaping me. Um, Charles Clay. Yeah, Charles Clay. Uh, I think Hunter Henry is a, is would be a sneaky play at fifty three hundred, where people would would rather pay down a little bit further or pay up instead of playing Hunter Henry. So I think Hunter Henry would be in play. You know, uh, honestly, I, I think you know there's there's starting to be some brewing. So it's brewing a little bit on the surface, and you know we, we I kind of talked about it super early, but I think it might very well be time for some Dan Arnold. Oh because- boy, here we go. <laughs> No, I love it. The matchup just kind of sucks. 
Yeah, it's not, it's not the greatest matchup, I will, I will admit. But so Max Williams actually hasn't been at training camp. He's been dealing with some things. And they the, 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 all the reports are that Dan Arnold is in line to be the tight end one yeah. for, for the Arizona Cardinals. So yeah. as, as people have been listening to this podcast enough, know that this is a Dan Arnold pod. Well, except Ryan. Ryan is uh, you know, was, <laughs> was on the other side of that debate. But, uh, yes, uh, Dan Arnold will always be a fan favorite here. But, like, I, I've liked it all offseason. They, they didn't bring in any other tight end you know, in Arizona, which a lot of people expected them to, to go out and really bring somebody else in to kind of challenge um, this group. But now it looks like it's Dan Arnold's back, or it's Dan Arnold's offense uh, in terms of the pat. Now he is probably the number four guy, number five guy in targets. But I think in terms of the red zone, I think you can really look to see a lot of uh, action down there as well. So this might not be the greatest matchup, but at thirty five hundred, you know, you don't need a ton from him to to meet value. So I don't know. You know, I'm always I'm always down with some Dan Arnold. So yeah, and I mean, we already said that offenses are going to have a leg up on defenses to start the year, and if. If that's what we think, then we can, you know, we think San Francisco may not be that nasty defense right off the bat. I mean, it, it's a good spot to, you know, attack them through the air while nobody else is going to do that. Dan Arnold, Spike Week, let's go. Oh, my God. <laughs> on, a, on a first look, didn't even wait for the that, deep dive to roll so, it out. That would be so 2020. <laughs> so 2020, just getting that play. You better be playing some, some Kyler Murray then with that Dan Arnold play. Stop talking about Jimmy G. No, Jimmy. No, it's Dan Arnold time. Let let it happen. Let him cook. <laughs> let the man cook. Can I just have a Dan? Like I would love so much for Dan Arnold to be a tight end one in twenty twenty. Oh man, let's go out on a bank. I want to. I want to see your exposure numbers for week one, Kev. I want to see them. I have some Dan Arnold now. Okay, I, I know have it. Some Dan Arnold. I just want to see the exposure numbers. That's all. I love it. Um, let's let's look at defense as we close out this pod for the first look. And and as I said at the top, what'd you say? I, you said dolphins. Dolphins. I was going to say the same thing. I was 100% oh going to, yeah. What are they, so, 2K? Okay. So we got Dolphins at 2K. I, I love the just seeing Wash football team <laughs> name at the bottom. It's it's just so funny. And I don't I don't know. Has that has that been the case? I swear that a couple of weeks ago I, when, I, when the first pricing was rolled out, I swear I saw Redskins. But, um, you know, Wash football team. It is what it is. It's so funny to see. But, uh, yeah, Dolphins are the minimum 2K. And as I was saying, you 2K, it seems to be still the minimum pricing, at least for this first week that DraftKings is rolling out. We've seen t- times before that um, they've gone under, gone 1,200, 1,500, uh, 1,700, but 2K is the minimum right now. I, you guys are talking about Dolphins. That's, that's definitely interesting. I mean, it, I think you have to go – go cheap here um, because you're, you, you know, you're paying up 3,700 for the bills. There's so much salary. There's just so much you could do with that salary other than paying 3,700 with the bills. Now if they go out there, deep, defense is just one of those positions where, you know, if your team gets a couple sacks to get an interception or a defense touchdown, like you're still in the game because you're, the points scored against it really doesn't matter if you're racking up these other peripheral points and sacks, interceptions, and and defensive touchdowns. So you definitely want to look for teams that uh, potentially could turn the ball over. I, I mean, a team that I was looking at in, in just first builds was Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville defense, they're, they're definitely a shell of themselves with having got rid of all these players, but they're going against Phillip Rivers on the other side. And Phillip Rivers has shown us nothing – other than he's going to turn the ball over because he's in D gaff mode every time he throws every time he throws it. Now he might not be throwing as much, 
because he is in Indy. He is with guys who want they want to establish the run. They want to run the ball. So we might not see as much as D. Gaff Rivers as we're accustomed to. But if we do, and we got the Jacksonville Jaguars at 2,300, I think they could definitely pay off dividends there. So I, I, I like getting some exposure to them. Outside of that, some of these other cheap options, they're just going against teams where I just don't know what what to expect from them. Um, I, I'm not really seeing anything else. I mean, the only other thing that kind of appeals to me um, as far as under 3K is the Chargers defense at Cincinnati going against Joe Burrow, the rookie. Now, he, you know, we don't know what to expect from Joe Burrow, but he is a rookie. It will be his first game. This Chargers defense, that's a tough defense to go against to on your first NFL career start. These guys are going to be out there for blood. So at 2800 I could really see them paying off uh, that price tag there, um, which is them and the Jaguars is really all that I've looked to because I I just try and fit a defense under 3K to see what I can do because it's just tough to pay up for. Um, What what are you guys thinking outside of the Dolphins or is it just Dolphins and log out for both of you? Is it weird that the Bengals are actually more expensive than the Chargers? Like the Bengals are 2900 (laughs) and the Chargers are 28. Like, yeah, what's that, going on here? I, I know. Tyrod's a QB. Not, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I get that, but I, that right. doesn't matter for me. But that's probably why the price. But is it, but again, it's like that would make sense if this was Philip Rivers on the other side because we kind of seen what he was doing. I I, I don't know that that's what I'm talking about with their agri- algorithms here for yeah. these the slate one pricing. It's like, are you still? Uh, Pricing these things as they were from 2019 without situations changing over, because that's what I, that's what I would expect there from, from that. And, and Tyrod's not a guy that's going to go out there and he's not going to really wow you with fantasy numbers, but he's also not going to turn the ball over all too much. So I don't yeah. I don't really get that. Can we uh, can we talk about Derek's comment in the chat was since we've got love for Dolphins? Oh. He said the Pats are scoring 50. Does that mean that? Kev just loses the bet because the Jets aren't going to score 50 points the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lord have mercy. Kev losing the bet on week one. <laughs> Derek like that. He laughed. Kev, you in trouble. Hey, I, I'm fine with it. Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm confident <laughs> with all my bets. I've made a lot of bets this offseason, and I'm printing money. Just, just pay me Kev, now. Pay print, me later. I'm going to go all in on the Dolphins D. Hold those Patriots down, boy. Show the receipts in the Twitter DMs. Come on, Kev. I, I got it all. No regrets? No no regrets. Well, okay. A little. Some. But that, 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 that's because I bet on uh, you know Adam Gase, was, uh, which is never never a sound plan. Oh, Lord. We're going to be doing, we're gonna be doing Adam, Adam Gase gifts all through, all through the season, man. Oh, all God. through the season. We should have uh, made you change the avatar, too. Matter of fact, that should have It isn't even happy yet. I got to lose first. I'm saying. I know. I'm saying. We, we're going to see. Um, guys, any, any last thoughts before we, before we wrap up this pod here on the slate at all? It Anything feels good. It feels good. It feels good to be back. It feels good to be talking DFS, NFL DFS. It's uh, been a fucking crazy 2020 so far, and Definitely yeah, I, I'm happy we'll be back. You know, in a couple weeks we'll be back. We'll be doing a much more in depth look at this slate than what we did just did tonight. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for DFS. I'm excited for football to be back. I hope we get a full season, and I'm excited to win some money. 
And since it is 2020, that's why I went with the Jets because everything can happen. Anything and everything can happen. So the Jets <laughs> outscoring the Patriots this year. Hey, anything can happen, baby. Let's go. Oh my gosh, Kev, too much. We I know we're back when you're getting you're getting hyped up over you're getting hyped up on shit for a week one early pricing look. <laughs> oh, just unbelievable. I love it. I love it. Hey guys, you know we're we're DJ Nation Pod, DFS DJ Nation Pod. You guys gotta follow us on Twitter at DJ Nation Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You see it in the bottom right hand corner there if you're watching on on YouTube right now. Um, go check us out. You can find us on your podcast on your podcast software. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. You can listen to us on the on the website at thefantasyauthority.com and go to thefantasyauthority.com, guys. You guys won't won't regret it. Like Kevin is regretting taking uh, his bets with the Jets. Uh, so much content is coming out right now, guys. Leading up into the season, anything that you guys need for your redraft. Uh, for your redrafts that are going to be starting up here in, in a week or so. They got dynasty content that is running out for you with, with new guys that have come on to the site. It's, it's been really, it's been really fun to watch all the things kind of blowing up. And again, at the top of the, at the top of the show, we mentioned the Patreon guys, the Patreon is live. Go find the details there again at the fantasyauthority.com. You guys should be following the fantasy authority at fantasy or at FF underscore authority is where you can find us on Twitter. So a lot of good things that are happening for 2020 for this season. We hope that you guys continue to join us for the rest of 2020. We're happy to have Maddie as a show guest, or I'm sorry, as a show host, not a show guest anymore. I got that flipped in my head, but we're excited to have you as a host, not a guest for the 2020 season, guys. It's going to be fun. Come along with the ride with us. It's the Degen Nation pod signing off for Kevin Steele. Fantasy Rap 13 is where you can find him on Twitter, Maddie Dickinson at Maddie DFS, and myself, Ryan Alexander underscore W on Twitter. It's the DFS DJ Nation pod. We're back, and we'll catch you guys next week when we do a deep dive into the week one slate. Until then, we out. You think you can tell me what to do? You know who you're talking to? Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.